Hi everyone and welcome to Full Impact. This is our very first bonus episode. I'm your host Nick and with me as always is Allison. Hey guys. Today we have a very special guest, Mr. Andrew Higgins. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Don't don't sell me too too much to the people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been uh, I've been listening to you on the um the Just Japan podcast, and I enjoyed you very much. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, I I've been on. Oh my goodness, I don't know how many episodes with with Kevin. Um, yeah, it's a great podcast, and <clears throat> I wish he would do more of them. <laughs> yeah, they're great. I uh, I listen to them while I'm at work just to get me through the day. Nice. Um, so just a couple uh, quick questions. Um, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, maybe generally speaking, whereabouts um, in Japan you live. Sure. Uh, well, so I've actually lived in Japan since uh, 2012 is when I moved here. Um, I moved here almost a year, exactly a year after the, the great earthquake. Um, and so a lot of people kind of <laughs> questioned why I would, would move at such a time. But um, I felt like uh, it was the right time for me to be over here. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, so I moved uh, here in 2012. Um, I've been an English teacher. Um, I've taught English from every age, pretty much from kindergarten up until, um, you know, people near retirement um, in Japan. So I've kind of done the full spectrum of, of teaching English here. Um, and currently I live in Tochigi Prefecture, which is uh, just north uh, and west a little bit of, of Tokyo. So um, I can be in Tokyo if I want to be there. If, if I don't want to be there, I can be, you know, kind of out here. Uh, not necessarily countryside, but just not Tokyo and the the whole big city life. But uh, if I want to go there, I can I can get there pretty easily. So it's it's nice. All right. Well, you know that uh, gives us a good perspective. Obviously, um, I feel like uh, many of us might not be as familiar with the geography of Japan. So thank you for giving us a little bit of perspective there. Yeah. Um, so. First question, um, comparative speaking, well, actually, first of all, when mm. was the last time that you were back in uh, the U.S. or Canada? You're, uh, I can't recall which one you're from. I, yeah, I'm from America. Um, so I – let's see. The last time I was there was uh, last Christmas. Um, so it's you know coming up on a year, so – Oh, that's uh, more recently than I I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, I usually try to go home at Christmas because um, I have a little bit of a vacation time then, but uh, not too sure this year. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so last year, last Christmas was the was the last time I was back. Yeah. Andrew, uh, where are you from originally? Oh, all right. Well, all right. Let's start <laughs> off. <laughs> I was born in Ohio. Um, and then I lived there, only lived there for about two years, uh, then moved to Texas and lived in Texas for 11 years. After that, moved to Detroit, lived in Detroit for about three years. And then after that, moved to Pennsylvania, 
uh, which is where I went to college and where my family kind of lives now. And uh, then I moved to Japan after that. So, wow, that's that's <laughs> you ran the gamut of uh, yeah. the U.S., huh? <laughs> yeah, north. I got I got some north and south, and I got some you know a little Midwest in there. Yeah, I picked up a lot. So I don't I don't know if I have an accent anymore. I used to have a really thick southern accent but uh now i'm not quite sure what i sound like anymore so <laughs> it's kind of a, a mix a of southern it. in there <laughs> yeah it comes it comes out every once in a while so <laughs> all right well actually we're um we're just based out of new york <laughs> oh okay all right we went through not so East far Coast. yeah <laughs> represent that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right well compared to speaking um to the u.s um, where are the most common forms of transportation, generally speaking? Well, I mean, in in Japan, you've got the bus system, you've got the trains, uh, which consist of like the Shinkansen, the bullet train, um, and then of course airports, local airports, and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I don't know for you guys. For me, I never grew up anywhere that had a bus system or even a train system, so. You know, to see city buses as like a normal for transportation, you know, people going to work and school like that um, was a big difference for me, especially train system, because I never I mean, I never lived anywhere that had a train system that people actually used for commuting. <laughs> and so being in a station with people lined up waiting to go to work is was kind of a change for me. <clears throat> now, I feel like. Um, a lot of people think that the Japanese train systems are very clean and efficient. Would you say mm. that that holds true? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you always get, you know, occasionally you get some trash here and there. But um, I'd say for the most part, they they tend to keep um, the trains very clean. Um, and, yeah, as for efficiency, if the train says that it leaves at, you know, 10 after 5, it it leaves at 10 after 5. You know, there's none of this. See, in Texas, I grew up in Texas, and so everything kind of started like 15 minutes late. So <laughs> you, you kind of give yourself, you know, you go to the movie theater, eh, you got, you got time. You don't have to show up right on time. It's no. that southern time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Um in Japan, if the train says it leaves at a certain time, it leaves at that time. Um, you know, there's, you know, a few exceptions, but um, yeah, I've rarely had, I mean, I've been here since 2012, so eight years. I've rarely had an occasion where the train wasn't on time. Um, so yeah, it's, they are very efficient. They make sure everything, you know, because you've got a lot of people using it for, you know, getting to work and commuting and stuff like that. You know, people have to get to work at a certain time and the, the transportation has to be reliable and, and getting there on, on time is, is really important. So, uh, Andrew, is a, is the train system all above ground or is it like a subway system? I, I know that that's more common here, you know, like um, a lot of the like in New York City, especially, you know, they have the, the subway. Is it all above ground or is it any? Yeah, so most of the trains um, that I ride around town here are, are above ground. Once you get into Tokyo, you do get the metro station, which is underground. Um, so you've got trains above ground and underground at that point. Um, 
but uh, yeah, most of, I would say most of them are above ground uh, because you've got local trains that are just going from from town to town. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you get to places like Tokyo, they do have a metro station. Um, and, and that would be probably the closest thing to like, you know, a New York subway station um, that that uh, that you'd get when you come to Tokyo. Gotcha. Um, so I've heard that, um, it might be different for the bullet trains, but in general, when you're on, uh, the train system or just a regular train, subway, what have you, that most people just generally stay quiet and reserved Mm. on the train. Is that, is that true? Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely. The, I mean, even on like your normal local trains, um, most people, you know, headphones in, listening to music or playing a game on their phone or whatever, and kind of, um, kind of stay to themselves. I mean, obviously, you've got the exception with like younger kids or you know high school kids that are, you know, I mean, hey, they're going to be noisy kids on the train, but even even them for the most part, it's it's pretty quiet. Um, I would say the only exception is maybe last train or Friday night on last train when everybody's getting back or leave or, you know, trying to come back from the bars or stuff like that. Um, when you introduce alcohol to people, they kind of loosen up a little bit. So some of those social norms kind of go out the window. Um, <laughs> it's a little so, crazy on that train. Huh? Yeah, it can be. <laughs> it definitely can be. Um, not, not anything too crazy. I've never experienced anything too crazy, but you know, you'll have more of an opportunity of people wanting to talk to you. Um, Usually it's, you know, everybody, because again, you've got people going to work or coming back from work. And I mean, at the end of the day, do you really want to be having a conversation with some random foreigner? No, probably not. So (laughs) put your headphones in, listen to your music and, or, you know, read the news on your phone or do something like that. But I would say for the most part, people are very quiet and respectful on the train. Um, Especially, you know, the Shinkansen when you've got some of the, like the higher class cars where people are paying a little bit more extra money for for extra room and space. They they tend to be pretty quiet. So, yeah, I kind of wish that we had that. I feel like every time I've been on a subway, it has just been a mess of sound yeah <laughs> activities. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's all right. But I mean, on the other hand, I get it. I mean. If I'm going somewhere, I don't necessarily need to have a full volume conversation with the person sitting right next to me. Um, you know, it's it's not one of those things where, oh, if you come to Japan, you can't talk when you're on the train. Or, I mean, people talk and have normal conversations. It's just um, it's just a lower volume. And it's I think it's just out of respect to the people around you. Like you don't really they they don't want to be involved in your conversation. So there's no real need to involve them. So. <laughs> Fair enough. That's I mean, that's the way I feel about it. I, you know, I try to keep quiet on the train, even even if I'm traveling with friends, you know, we usually will sit near each other or, um, you know, I mean, I I traveled recently on the Shinkansen with my friend and we both, you know, sat right next to each other. But we both had our headphones and listened to music the whole way down. So, you know, it's <laughs> it's just kind of one of those things that you get used to just listening to music or minding your own business on the train, even with your, even if you're with somebody. <laughs> is the Shinkansen, is that the one that passes by Mount Fuji? Uh, yeah, one of them. Uh, yeah, which, uh, oh goodness. 
I can't remember the name of it. They're named for the different regions that they go through. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a couple that go past Mount Fuji. Yeah. Have you ever had the the pleasure of seeing it clear on a day or? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been able to see. It depends on if you got to sit on the right. Um, let's see. When you're going, if you're going, if you're leaving Tokyo, and you're on the Shinkansen, if you sit on the right hand side um, of the train, then you'll see Mount Fuji out the window. If you sit on the left hand side, you're gonna see the ocean. Um, so. Yeah, if if it's a clear day, you can see Mount Fuji very easily. So, I've I've been listening to um, some other podcasts, and one of them just complains how every time he goes by it, it's always cloudy. He can never, he can <laughs> yeah. Never well, that's it. <laughs> that's the thing is it's it's always it's always hiding. So you gotta there's you know certain days where you can see it really well, and certain days when it's just completely cloudy. But um, my my dad told me years ago. Uh, when he was in Japan, that uh, you know, a local guide or something told him, you know, if you see Mount Fuji, that means like one day you'll return to Japan, um, and so um, because it's just it's one of those things where it's always kind of hidden, <laughs> and so it's kind of a rare lucky thing that if you, oh if you see Mount Fuji, you know, you'll return to Japan one day. So um, hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I can't return to somewhere I've never been to before. <laughs> <laughs> but fingers well, crossed if we ever do get there that we do yeah. see it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, this might be seem like a kind of random question and excuse. Anything, if my pronunciation is off on anything, please excuse me. Oh, no. Uh, right. Have you ever been to the area of Hakone or to Lake Ashi? Yeah, actually, the first time I so the first time I came to Japan was back in 2000, and I actually stayed in a resort up in Hakone, um, up in the mountains. And yeah, it was it's probably one of my top places in Japan. It's beautiful um, up there in Hakone, like the mountains and just like there's a there's an old uh, checkpoint uh, that they used to use back when people were traveling by foot where you were going from one region of Japan to another where you had to kind of um, it was kind of like a border crossing almost but uh, yeah there's a old historic checkpoint there um, a lot of history in Hakone yeah it's it's beautiful what, if you were, um, if, if you sorry, were to compare ahead. it to some place um, you know, here in the U.S., uh, I know you mentioned, uh, like, West Coast area. Yeah, Would that be probably, yeah, probably West Coast mountain, mountain area. Yeah, it's very, very lush and very, um, I, w- I was there during the summer, so it was very humid and rainy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, which, I mean, kind of describes all of Japan during the summer. <laughs> But, uh, um, but yeah, very, very, um, very mountainous and very, um, like forest green. Yeah. Yeah. So in the show, we cover, uh, neon Genesis Evangelion seasons don't exist anymore in Japan is in a state of perpetual summer. Could oh. you describe what an eternal Japanese summer would be like around oh the general gosh. central Japan area? It would be horrible. Um, summer is my least favorite um, season. Uh, it is. It's usually very humid. I would say ni- high ninety percent humidity every day. Oh, um, 
with with the heat on top of that. Um, like I said earlier, I grew up in Texas. It was very hot where I was at, but never this humid. Um, I can deal with the heat, but the humidity just it just sucks the life out of you almost. Um, yeah, so summer in Japan is not pleasant. Um, evenings can be all right, um, but you know you get a a nice humid day with no breeze and um we had a couple of days like that this summer and you know you get weather warnings where it's like don't even go outside it's just not whatever you need to do today is not worth it stay inside <laughs> stay in the shade stay you know a lot of the a lot of the air conditioners in Japan have um dry modes or like um like a dehumidifier almost built into them and so um I run that quite a bit during the summer and it just to get the humidity out of out of my house um and uh thankfully it's starting to cool down now but yeah this summer was pretty rough we had a few days where um, I was working at a school over the summer and it's, it's, you know, oh, it's recess time. Well, we got weather warnings, so we're going to have to stay inside today. So, um, yeah, a perpetual summer in Japan would not be all that pleasant. Um, is it true that, like, um, generally speaking, uh, Japanese homes don't have, like, central air? Yeah, that's something that they use. Yep, that's definitely true. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I have. So the house that I live in has an air conditioner in the top floor and an air conditioner in the bottom floor for like the dining room and kitchen, um, which I rarely use just because I'm upstairs most of the time. Um, But I have two bedrooms upstairs. One has an air conditioner and one doesn't. But because they're not that big. Uh, one is plenty to to cool down both rooms, but uh, yeah, for the most part, um, I mean, you can. I had I had a friend that um, had a house built here in Japan, and so she requested central air conditioning and central heating. Um, it's something you can do, um, but yeah, normally you get uh, wall units um, for individual rooms and, uh, even the schools, um, aren't centrally heated or, or air conditioned. So, um, thankfully the town that I live in, all of our classrooms have, uh, air conditioners, but things like the hallways and other places don't. So it's kind of, you're, you're cool in the classroom. And as soon as you step out into the hallway, it's, you got to make it back to the teacher's office before you break a sweat. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if this is the case with uh school you're describing, but I heard that it's not uncommon for people to take a few changes of clothes to them to work during the summer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, so I, I work in a public school, and so we don't really have a dress code um, for teachers. And so a lot of teachers will wear T-shirts and shorts and stuff like that during the summer. Um, but they always bring with them, you know, a nice pair of clothes just in case, you know, they have meetings that day. But, yeah, I've definitely seen teachers, you know, show up show up in the morning with one set of clothes on and leave at the end of the day with a different set of clothes on just because um, it's just one of those days where it was just too hot. Um, my school also has in the men's changing room, we have a shower. So if it ever gets that bad, there's always that option. But uh, I've never had to 
I've never had to go that far. It's usually <laughs> it's usually been all right. <laughs> that sounds dreadful. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, it really can be. Honestly, like during the summer, um, if you're in the teacher's office or if you're in the classroom, you're pretty much okay. But like I said, as soon as you step out into a hallway or a classroom that doesn't have the air conditioning on, you just instantly feel it, and it's like it. It's honestly draining. Like it's can be pretty bad so i mean thankfully we have most of the summer off but you know you still get a few days here and there that are pretty hot so what's your favorite season there um i like fall so uh but then i also i mean i do like summer because there's i mean we didn't get them this year just because of everything that's going on but um, you get like the summer festivals and you get the fireworks festivals in summer. I feel like there's always something going on in Japan during a season. So it's kind of hard to pick just one like spring. You've got cherry blossom season. And so you've got, you know, all those parties that go on. And then, you know, towards Christmas time, you get all the the illumination and all the lights. And so there's there's always something going on. But personally, I like fall. But uh yeah, I like some. I like the the festivals festival part of summer. I don't like the heat or anything else. Got it. <laughs> I just I like the food stands and going to get you know, um, kakigori and you know all the all the kind of junk food stuff you can get at the at the festivals. But uh, I. I could do without the heat. <laughs> but as far as living day to day, fall is probably yeah, a better yeah. option. <laughs> yeah. I always tell people if they want to come visit Japan, do it in the fall if possible because there's not a whole lot going on. Um, there's not a whole lot of holidays or festivals in October, November. And so it's kind of a good time to go and visit some of the touristy type places because there's not going to be a lot of tourists here. Um, and there's not going to be a lot of locals either because they're, you know, we're still working and and Mm. stuff like that. So, um, but springtime is the big time when everybody wants to be here, but you know, if you can do it in the fall, it's it's just as beautiful. So, yeah. cool. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So in the show, and I feel like this is sh- shown in a lot of other uh, pop culture. Um. There's a lot of instances where we see really long work days followed by almost ritualistic uh, drinking with coworkers afterwards. Is that <laughs> is that uh, common practice? <laughs> Um, it depends. So, I mean, it depends on where you work and it depends on, see, I work in a public school, so it depends on the school I've noticed. Cause I've worked at different schools over the years and sometimes you've got, you work with older teachers and sometimes you work with newer, younger teachers. And I feel like the younger teachers like to do the, the drinking party stuff, uh, after work more often than, like the, maybe the older teachers will want to go have like a nice dinner somewhere, whereas the younger teachers will want to do you know karaoke and more of like a fun sports bar type place or you know somewhere where you guys can kind of be a little bit louder and obnoxious and not so much you know fancy sit down type place. But uh, yeah, I mean, drinking is a big culture in Japan. Um, and I mean, if anybody's like, oh, well, I don't drink, I can't enjoy. Um, I mean, 
I've gone to plenty of parties with the teachers, and I would say it's usually 50-50 whether they drink or not. It's more – I think it's more about just socializing outside of work with your coworkers and getting to know them. And so if you're the type of person that doesn't drink, nobody's going to look at you and be like, oh, you don't drink. What's wrong with you? They're just going to be like, all right, cool, whatever. Just you know, have some soda and, and eat some food and, and get to know us better. Um, but you know, if you are – Somebody that does drink, it's it's a big part of um, Japanese culture. Now, I have I heard a couple things. One, that if you are going out to drinks afterwards, that it's almost um, – it's common that you get, like, a drink on tap first before you might get, like, a specialized drink. Mm, yeah, usually – I don't – I'm trying to think. We haven't done anything this year just because of all the stuff that's going on yeah. in the world. Like we can't really have any real parties. But um, yeah, usually what happens is if you're out with the teachers, everybody usually starts with one drink. Like everybody gets a beer and somebody gives a quick speech. You do a compai, you drink, and then after that you're kind of free to drink whatever you want. Um, so yeah, it kind of depends if you're with – um, teachers that kind of don't care about the formality of that stuff or if there's teachers that are like oh well we all have to do the kampai with the tiny little glass of beer first and then and then you can drink whatever so yeah I kind of feel like the younger generation of Japan doesn't really care all that much you know especially if you're just out with your a, a group of friends or whatever um, they're not going to really kind of stick to those uh, rules per se but you know, maybe if you're out with with your working friends, um, they'll say, "Okay, we'll do the beer first, and then you can get your mixed drink after that." <laughs> Don't they know you shouldn't mix them like that, Andrew? <laughs> I know, I know, but that's yeah. <laughs> now this this drinking or socializing, um, what have you, afterwards? This would be after staying. Uh, at work later than you're technically scheduled to already. Is that right? Um, it depends on usually um, schools will have a party at the beginning of the year of the beginning of the school year. Um, and that's to welcome the new teachers um, and get to know the new teachers and stuff like that. And so there'll be a time of, Oh, there'll be a very long time of speeches, and um, Japanese people love giving speeches at drinking parties. Usually, they last about an hour because everybody's got to give a speech, and every new teacher has to introduce themselves and give a fun fact about themselves and stuff like that. But yeah, usually there's a party at the beginning of the school year and at the end of the school year. Um, and then there's usually a drinking party at the end of the um, actual year itself. So around Christmas time, you'll have like maybe a, a Christmas type party. Um, they, I, I've been to schools that, you know, after sports day, the teachers go out and have a drinking party or after a certain event happens at the school. So it's kind of it's up to the school. Some some schools just, hey, beginning of the year, end of year, that's all we're going to do. Um, it depends on the school, really, and, and how active they want to be. Um, I've 
you know, been to schools that once a month they would get together just just to get together and, and have a drinking party. Um, and then I've been to other schools where it's just been beginning of the year, end of school year. That's it. That's all we're doing. So it really depends on, you know, how active people want to be and and kind of getting to know each other. Right. Now, I'm not sure if this extends to um, teaching, but I've heard that it might, it's kind of an unspoken rule or it's encouraged that um, day-to-day workers are encouraged to stay at work later than their technical work hours just for the sake of being at work. Um, so for me, see, I'm in a weird position because I, I work for the city, but I'm not technically like a full-time teacher. (laughs) So I'm not expected to stay past my, you know, working time. Um, and honestly, like Japan over the past couple of years has actually started to crack down on overworking because it has been an actual problem um, in Japan with people just literally working themselves to death. Um, And so um, I don't know. I've never actually personally seen, seen it. I know that a lot of teachers do work long hours, but I don't know what they're kind of expected to or, you know, I've heard the, well, you have to work longer than your boss does. Like if you leave before your boss, that's considered rude. I've never actually experienced that or seen that. So, you know, because I've seen plenty of times where the principal or the vice principal leaves at, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. Well, we still have stuff to do. (laughs) So if that was the case, then everybody would be leaving the school at 3.30. So. (laughs) See you, kids. Time to teach yourselves. (laughs) You you know how to get home. Yeah, right? (laughs) um, But, uh, yeah, and that's the thing. And and you've got teachers that, you know, teach all day, but then also coach, you know, the volleyball team or the soccer team or stuff like that. So um, there was a time when I did help coach softball and, you know, I was working until 730 at night, but nobody was forcing me to do that. That was just me wanting to be there. Um, but, you know, I don't know how it is in the corporate, you know, aspect of Japan, whether it's, you know, you always just hear stories and rumors about how life is in corporate Japan. So for me, I'm nobody expects me to stay there longer you know than my scheduled time so you know i kind of have it easy (laughs) compared to other people (laughs) it's a a different it's i think it's just a different animal being in a school versus being in the private sector you know i mean you you have other situations but I've, i've heard the same thing um and seen stories about how you know they're trying to to keep the work days manageable for people because they were just literally working themselves to death no sleep you know seven yeah. days a week so um but yeah i can imagine it'd be a little bit different in the school system yeah and then and actually the past couple of years like they actually keep track now of how long the teachers work during the day so you have uh whereas before it was oh you just come in whenever you want and leave whenever you want now they actually are kind of clocking in so that the someone can see okay well you worked way too long today so you need to to leave earlier this day or whatever so there are there are at least in in the public schools they are trying to 
you know, cut down on some of that. So, which is good. Yeah. I feel like these are very basic questions, but have you ever, have you ever taken a nap at work? Um, intentionally or unintentionally? (laughs) Uh, Intentionally. (laughs) Intentionally. Um, or I guess unintentionally, I guess you've ever taken a nap at work and had it been acceptable. Um, I, yeah, there was, uh, I used to work at a, at a school that, um, some of us teachers would find different rooms that weren't in use to go just kind of, um, not cause see in Japan in in the teacher's office, everybody, all the teachers are in one giant room. Um, and so it's not like in America where each teacher has their own classroom and they're usually in their classroom. It's everybody's all in the same teacher's office. And so, that can be a little overwhelming or hectic at times, or if you just want to get out of the teacher's office. Um, and so I found uh, a room that wasn't in use with a couch and I would go and I'd bring my Kindle into work sometimes and just, you know, start reading a book on my Kindle just, just to get out of the teacher's office. Um, and there were occasional times where I would uh, doze off, but uh, there were other teachers that would do the same thing in different rooms. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not really – I don't know. There's that meme that always goes around every couple of months where it's like, oh, it's acceptable to take a nap at your desk. It's not actually acceptable to take a nap at your desk. It happens just because people are tired and work a lot, and it's usually kind of overlooked um, by most people. Uh, I did have a school where the principal would always kind of um, – walk over to someone if they had fallen asleep and hey are you okay are you feeling all right do you need to go get some coffee or something like that just to kind of so they weren't <laughs> wink, actually wink, hint, hint. yeah yeah like maybe you need to maybe you just need to go do a couple laps around the school and and wake up so um i would say that it's not necessarily acceptable, but it's just kind of overlooked at some point because everybody knows that the teachers are there working on long hours. And, you know, after lunch, if you're sitting at your desk and you, you know, not off for a couple of minutes, nobody's going to really say anything. Um, it's kind of one of those things that's just overlooked. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily acceptable, but people kind of understand, you know, Oh, that teacher's just been working really hard this week. Um, five minutes with their eyes closed isn't gonna end the world so yeah if i was caught with my eyes closed for five minutes (laughs) i'd probably never hear the end of it (laughs) ditto (laughs) yeah there's i mean i've definitely oh goodness a couple weeks ago i was sitting at my desk and all of a sudden the principal's standing next to me and he's like oh i got some uh crackers for you from i don't know somebody had dropped off a box of like just like rice crackers and i was like oh oh great thanks <clears throat> i'm awake i'm totally awake <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't sleeping i totally wasn't sleeping <laughs> yeah no <laughs> not at all <laughs> but yeah no it happens but uh yeah <laughs> well in the show and i feel like in a lot of other external examples um hot springs or onsens are shown to be very popular places to visit have you ever been to one could you describe in general what they're kind of like yeah um i went um actually a couple years ago one of the 
the principals at my school was retiring, so we all took a trip um, as a as a staff to um, an onsen that had like a hotel and stuff in it, and so we stayed there for the weekend. And um, yeah, they so they split them up, men and women, and you've got uh, you walk into the first area, and the first area is usually just a giant room with either a bunch. It'll either have a bunch of lockers or it'll have a bunch of uh, baskets with numbers on them. You know that you can put all of your stuff in. You put all your clothes in the little basket or in the locker, or whatever. And then the next room is usually a shower room or a bathroom where you um, cause you don't just want to jump in the hot spring. You want to make sure you're clean before you get in there. So they'll have a little area where you can, you know, shampoo and, and soap and all that kind of stuff. And, and you wash up and get clean. And then, then they have the hot spring area, which is usually right next to it. And yeah, you can just relax for as long as you want. It's, it's probably one of the nicest things. Like it's so, yeah, there's very few things that compare to just sitting in natural spring water and just like relaxing and it feels great. And, you know, all the tension from your body just disappears. Like it's such a great experience. Um, and then if you're there with, you know, other people and, you know, you know, it's a, it's a fun experience with other people as well. So, now, do you have um, any tattoos by chance? No, I don't actually. Yeah, which is one of the things that um, I would say some places are getting a little bit better with it, um, but a lot of places still in Japan, if you if you have a tattoo, you're you either have to have it covered. Uh, they do make like um, they almost look like bandages. Uh, you can cover up your tattoo with if it's if it's coverable. Um, a lot of places will either have or some places will even have um, like a private family onsen. And so um, I've had friends that come that had come to visit Japan that had enough tattoos that they couldn't <laughs> cover them up. And the hotel was like, yeah, it's fine. Um, they're just going to have to use the family onsen area. Um, so it would be basically a private onsen area. And, you know, they didn't have any problems with that. But if you have something that's coverable, like it's, it's not an issue. Um, but usually that's going to be with maybe some of the smaller places like the mom and pop onsens, um, even, you know, some of the places that you'll find online to re- will have um, like notifications or a little thing that says, you know, Hey, if you have tattoos, you have to cover them up or, you know, find another option. So, but yeah, luckily I don't have any tattoos, so I've not had any, had any onsen issues. No, I haven't heard of um, the family aunts and you just mentioned. If someone went there with, say, their spouse of the opposite sex, would they be able to go in that together? Yeah, yeah. So the family onsen is is just that. It's, you know, for, like, wife and kids and and mom and dad and the kids or whoever. Like, it's just – it's meant for – yeah, because, like I said, normally they split up men and women. And so – you know, you go to separate dressing rooms, you go to separate ba- bathing rooms, and then you go to separate onsens. Like, you don't even see the other person. So, um, but there are a lot of hotels that do have private onsens for each individual room, or they'll have a, a um, some of the bigger ones will have like a family room that you can um, reserve 
Um, so yeah, I would say if you're going to come visit, just check, um, check online with the hotel. I've emailed them before and just said, Hey, I have friends coming. Um, and they have tattoos. Is it okay if they use your onsen? And they said, yes, but they'll have to use the family, the private family room. So, um, usually people are really good about just either having that already on their website because if it's in a touristy area, they already have had that question a million times. And so they know how to answer it and how to deal with it. So um, they'll either post it on their website or if you, if you email them, they should be able to tell you what their policy is um, without any problem. Now, could you describe what it was like going to Anansen for the first time? Um, At least, my, in my experience, there really isn't anywhere in the U.S. I could go um, be nude and not have it be <laughs> extremely abnormal. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and that's the thing is like as a as a foreigner, it's kind of um, I mean, weird's not the right word, but just awkward, I guess. It's um, yeah, the first. Well, let's see. The first time I went to an onsen would have been when I was eighteen, so everything was like weird and awkward then. Um, but then the next time I went was when I was actually living here and I went with the teachers that I worked with and (laughs) it it was, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, do I skip out on the onsen while I'm here and just tell them, I just, you know, make up some excuse or do I just bite the bullet, just go in and just, be an adult and (laughs) put your big kid pants on it yeah exactly (laughs) and and just deal with it and uh, like honestly i just you know i was just like you know what whatever it's just everybody's naked it's the way life is let's like just go in and and it wasn't that bad and it you know but, no, you uh, mentioned you mentioned Andrew that that you're supposed to shower and clean before you get into these hot springs. Right. So it's is is that to like preserve like what what's what's the thought the theory behind that? They just want you to be clean before you go into the spring water because they don't really do much to it's not like a swimming pool where they're in there treating it with chemicals and stuff like that. Sure, sure. Um and so they want you to just kind of get off as much dirt and oil as possible before you get in the spring water. Um, just because, yeah, they're not in there really doing much to it to, to you know, treat it at, like you would a, a swimming pool or anything like that. Right. So it's basically, I, basically like a natural hot tub. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, in America... Um, at least to the best of my knowledge, school uniforms are not really that common unless you're um, at a private school or maybe a religious school. And really anything you wear to school is acceptable anywhere you're going after school. Um, Could you maybe describe uh, Japanese school apparel and Mm. the kind of logistics of it? Yeah, sure. So um, elementary school... If it's a if it's a public elementary school, there usually isn't a dress code, um, so you don't have to worry. So first through sixth grade, you you don't have school uniforms, and so the kids can wear whatever they want to school. Um, if it's a private school, obviously they might have a uniform, just so they kind of stand out. Um, 
but yeah, first through sixth grade, there's no dress code. There's no school uniform, anything like that. Um, once you get into junior high, that's when they get into um, gym uniforms and school. And uh, let's see, what is it? Your, your gym uniform and then usually some sort of casual version of your actual school uniform, which usually just consists of not having to wear your tie and – um, not having all your buttons buttoned up on your shirt. It's kind of – it depends on how lenient the school is with with dress code. But, yeah, once you hit junior high, that's when you've got school uniforms. And um, the, the general rule is anytime a student is at school, they need to be in some form of their uniform. So they can kind of usually get away – if they're there just to pick up something – um, you know, maybe they were sick and missed a couple of days. They can usually get away with not having to wear a school uniform at that point. Uh, but if they're there for any kind of sports activity or anything on the weekends, even um, the bare minimum is they have to be wearing their like gym clothes. So just gym shorts and usually like a white shirt that has their name on it and the school logo. Um, but they yeah, the rule is they have to have some sort of uniform version of their uniform on if they're going to be on school grounds. Now, could they wear their uniform uh, elsewhere after they leave school? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's usually, um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a fashion statement almost to to be seen outside school in your school uniform. Um, so, you know, you'll go to the mall and you'll see kids in uniforms. You'll see them without them as well. But, um, yeah, a lot of kids just wear them even when they're not doing stuff at school or, you know, in activities that aren't school related. So yeah, it's kind of, um, it's, it's easy to pick out your students if you're, you know, at the mall and you're like, Oh no, that's definitely one of my students. Cause that's the <laughs> uniform. Um, <laughs> when you, it's, it's hard for me. Cause sometimes I don't, recognize them right away and they're like Andrew Sensei and I'm like oh 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 it's you okay because I see them every day in their uniform and then you see them in casual clothes and you're like I don't know who you are or in the <laughs> who case is of this like person <laughs> yeah or in the case of the girls like you see them with makeup on and you're like I don't are you are you sure you're in my class because I don't <laughs> I don't know who you are <laughs> Uh, having having gone through uh, private school uh, for most of my life, I wore a uniform, and um, and it was kind of the opposite. We we wore specific uniforms in um, you know elementary K through six, and then in high school we just had like a dress code. Um, I always found it to be a lot easier having a uniform. You know, have to pick out clothes, and you know everybody looks the same, so it makes things a lot easier. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I guess for recognition wise, too, like you said, I mean, it, it helps, you know, and then kids can see, you know, I assume they know what, you know, schools the other kids go to and that kind of thing. So it's um, but it would be very out of the ordinary here. I mean, we would ditch our uniforms as soon as we could. Oh, yeah. We certainly, yeah, we certainly wouldn't be going out to the mall in our, our school uniform. Oh, yeah, that's it, it's a little bit different here than there, I guess. Yeah, that's one of the one of the things I noticed after I went home a few years ago and came back and you know texted one of my friends and was like, "Man, there's so many kids in school uniforms. I never really like <laughs> noticed it." But yeah, it's just one of those things where it's, you know, hey, it's I know what I'm wearing today because 
it's the same thing I wore same yesterday. Thing. You know exactly. It's... Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, picking out outfits, or I think I've seen yeah. pictures of elves in school uniform, and I don't think anyone should be seen outside of school with that on. <laughs> I would one hundred percent agree with that. <laughs> I think they design them that way, actually. <laughs> Have you ever been to a Japanese wedding? Um, well, I was just at one yesterday, but it wasn't. I was. It was all on Zoom because of uh, yeah. social distancing. Um, have I been to a Japanese wedding? No, I've not. I went to my friend's reception, uh, but I didn't actually go to his wedding. Um, but uh, no, I haven't actually been to a Japanese wedding in person. Um, just over the internet at this point. <laughs> over the internet. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Well, um, then I won't hang over it too much. Um, could you describe i forgot the term for it but your kind of monetary gift that you're supposed to bring oh yeah i've not had to do that um uh, yeah there's and i'm not sure what what the exact amount is, amount is but uh yeah you're supposed to bring some sort of amount of money to the wedding as a gift but then in turn you get like a giant gift basket full of stuff usually from the bride and groom um so yeah usually people leave with a with a nice haul of stuff but i've not actually been to an actual wedding yet so well if you ever go to one we'll just have to have you back on the podcast yeah that's what yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah because in the show they do uh you know mention that there's a certain tier of um how much you're supposed to contribute based on your relationship to the bride and groom but they didn't mention this gift basket thing which i think is fantastic i mean in the states here you know you typically give like a little favor or something small mm. but like a gift basket that seems yeah. pretty yeah I've are they are they generally what... are the, are the weddings there generally big affairs or mm. are they usually smaller more you know uh family oriented Oh, definitely big affairs. Yeah, there's mm. a lot of wedding uh, chapels in town and a lot of places that you, you drive by and you're like, is that a Catholic church? You're like, oh, no, that's just a wedding ceremony place. Um, because the big thing in Japan is to have a, a Western-style wedding. And so you will still have the traditional type of Japanese wedding, um, but – they like a lot of people like to have um you know a foreign minister and have this big american looking i mean if you looked at it you'd be oh this is just an american wedding um it's it's very much they want the the big fancy western wedding cuz i mean to get married in japan you literally just have to go to city hall and get a certificate and you're married so <laughs> the 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 ceremony is all just a formality and just all just for almost like for show. It's not even, um, yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of wedding chapels in town and a lot of people have the, the big white wedding dress and the tuxedos and the, you know, the whole thing like that. So, and it, it'll look just like a, an American wedding. Hmm, interesting. My big fat American wedding, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking about. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the movie Bridesmaids, where they're giving away puppies as the like party yeah, yeah. favors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> puppy in a gift basket. Yeah. 
Um, well, in the United States, our uh, our waste disposal systems are they're pretty mundane and ineffective, I'd say. Um, we have like one bin for quote unquote garbage and another one for just recycling in general. Could you maybe describe? Uh, Japan's waste disposal system and what it looks like uh, organization-wise? Uh, yeah, so um, it it kind of it depends on from city to city what they have as requirements. Um, I've lived in three different towns, and so each time it was different. But um, now, actually, there, there's an app for my town that has what days, what certain things go out. Um, and so you can get reminders on your phone um, you know, oh, hey, today's combustibles, so make sure you take your combustibles out, or hey, today's plastics, or whatever. But yeah, for the most part here, um, you need you have to separate glass, plastics, and like aluminum cans from your regular trash, um, and then pretty much everything else can just be go just go out on, you know, the burnables day. Um, yeah, they. It's it's a big deal. You can get fined if you don't sort your trash and they find out who's doing it. Um, things like cardboard boxes need to be tied up a specific way or they don't take them right away. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so they – like I said, you can be fined if you're not doing it the right way. Some towns are a little bit more lenient, but, um, yeah, everything kind of has to be sorted and go out on certain days. Um, and then, you know, they come and pick it up. So, yeah, it's a lot more involved than whatever I, I, I did in the States. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where you just start doing it and you get used to separating stuff and you don't even think about it anymore. So it's one of those just like mundane, like, oh, yeah, glass goes over here. Uh, cardboard needs to go in this box and take it out of these days. And you don't even think about it, honestly. Yeah, well, in the show, they um, uh, one of the characters gets asked to bring out the combustibles or... And, you know, for anyone who, I suppose, isn't in Japan, it's a very foreign concept because we just have the garbage. We don't have anything that's going to be uh, incinerated. Yeah. And then, I mean, and I've been to the kind of the recycling plants um, where they sort all the garbage and stuff. Um, because if you have bigger things that, you know, if you've got like furniture or luggage that you need to throw out or whatever, whatever you have that's maybe bigger than the normal trash, um, you can either have someone come and pick it up and take it away for you or you can just drive it down there yourself. Um and yeah, it's pretty extensive the amount of sorting and um you know, separating they do of of the trash here in Japan. So it's pretty impressive. So the the burning um do you guys do that individually or is that something that, you know, waste management does for you? Oh, no, that's something they do yeah. for us. Yeah, that's we don't have to worry about. I I mean, if you live out in the country, you definitely see like farmers and stuff that burn their trash and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I don't live in the city per se, but I'm not totally out in the country either. So, um, yeah, or like the suburbs. Just, yeah, yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's definitely not anything I have to worry about. It's just I throw it out and they take it away and, and get rid of it. So no, I if I'm recalling correctly, I know that uh, Japan likes to wrap things individually a lot with plastic (laughs) are they good with recycling all the plastic that they use i mean i would hope so um 
yeah, sometimes it can be a little, um, a little crazy with the way that they waste plastic. Um, I mean, I, recently they've started pretty much every business, not just grocery stores, but you know, Seven Eleven restaurants um, are charging for plastic bags if you want to take stuff out, and so. Um, you know, I have a I have a reusable bag that I use for the groceries um, that I keep in my car, and I have a reusable bag that I use when I go to Seven Eleven. Um, one, because I don't want to have to pay for a plastic bag, but two, you know, obviously it's helping cut down on the use of plastic bags, and so yeah, that's one thing Japan's kind of cracking down on. So even if you go to McDonald's, normally they'll put everything. They'll put everything in a pl- or in a paper bag and then put all of your stuff in one, you know, giant plastic bag that you can take out with you. Um, but they'll even charge you for that now. So, yeah, they're kind of cracking down on plastic a little bit here. Now, I want to get to convenience stores, but before we get there, uh, if we go back to getting rid of um, waste, when you need to get rid of something that's larger than would fit in your regular bin you have to get like a like you said someone to come pick it up or like a ticket of sorts right and you have to pay Mm. for that um yeah so if you have somebody that comes to pick it up for you there are services that will do that and yeah they usually charge some sort of fee um just to haul it you know to the recycling center but if you drive it to the recycling center yourself there's not they don't charge you anything um Certain things like PCs usually have to get a special you have to get a special tag put on them. But the last time I threw out a PC, they didn't care. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's kind of once you're I think it's like once you're there at the recycle center, they're just like, Yeah, we don't care. You don't need to <laughs> you don't need it. But uh yeah, um if someone comes to your house usually and there's usually um I haven't seen it in a while, but there's usually a truck that will drive through the neighborhood with a loudspeaker on it saying like, hey, we pick up old newspapers and old TVs and radios are broken, this or that. Um, And you just flag them down and say, hey, I have this item. You know, how much is it going to cost me to have you take it to the recycle center for me? So. Uh, it's usually not too expensive, but I found it's just easier just to take it yourself. It's not that difficult. So it reminds me of that scene in Monty Python. I don't know if you've ever seen Monty Python. <laughs> oh, the yeah. Holy Grail when they come out, bring out your dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's actually somewhere on my Instagram, I have I have a video of myself videotaping one of these trucks driving through the neighborhood, and I titled it "Bring Out Your Dad" because it's, it instantly instantly reminded me of that. And yeah, awesome, I mean, Andrew, I appreciate yeah. that you know my references. Oh yeah. <laughs> Now your Instagram that's at is that Higgins at Japan or is that right? uh, no my Instagram is is Higbones H I G G B O N E S yeah I believe that's what it is goodness but for most yeah. everything else you're Higgins in Japan yeah yeah if people want to you know find out more about me I guess I don't know if that's something people want to do but um, <laughs> yeah because I do. Um, occasionally put up some youtube videos every now and then and yeah so if you just search for higgins in japan that's the easiest way to to find me so yeah well i think everyone should take a moment out of their day if they can spend you know at least an hour listening to us go on and on they can take a moment <laughs> to check you out 
yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, and I think it's just so funny the with you describing how they get rid of objects because like here I could fold up ten giant cardboard boxes, shove it in a bin bring out a desk and a PC to the side of the road. And if the garbage man doesn't pick it up, someone else would pick it up within the next oh, two days. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've, I mean, I've had, uh, I've had a situation here where I live now with cardboard boxes because they didn't like the way that I had them bundled up and they put a little notice on there that said, oh, this isn't bundled up the right way. So I went out there and ripped the notice off and said, no, you're going to take it anyways. And it eventually disappeared. But um, <laughs> yeah. But not without a strongly worded letter, right? Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, the yeah, they like the cardboard boxes to be bundled up and not stacked the way that I had them, apparently. So, you know, I have to remember that the next time I take a bunch of stuff out. So. I've also heard rumors that sometimes people don't who don't want to go through the trouble of getting someone to come pick up their stuff or getting the tag for it will kind of collect things and just like dump them on the beach or like under an underpass or something like that. Uh, yeah, that happens from time to time. Um, if if you've got something that's too big that you don't want to get rid of, or if you've got like a broken chair. Um, and you find a dark road somewhere to, to dump it on the side of the road. That's obviously illegal and you can get fined for that. So don't do that. But um, yeah, no, that has happened from time to time. But like I said, the recycle centers. So the, yeah, the recycle centers are really simple. If, if you have a car, you drive in, they weigh the car and then you unload everything that you have. You drive around, they weigh the car again and that's it. So they just know how much garbage they're taking in and they sort it and do everything for you so it's really simple um you know throwing stuff in the side ditch while it's easy it's also not really recommended but um i mean yeah and unfortunately it happens but uh it's not that difficult to get rid of stuff so people just need to you know, suck it up. Do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I have about two questions left. Um, they might be a little bit stickier, um, but we'll do what we can here. Um, if you wouldn't mind explaining in your own words and to anyone who's not familiar with the term, what an otaku is. <laughs> so, so. Here I have two versions. Like the the version that I learned when I was in America, um, and then the version that is is kind of used here in Japan. Um, I would say the American definition of an otaku is just somebody that's really obsessed with anything Japan related. Um, I mean, I guess weeaboo is another term that I was called a couple of times when I was in America and I was like what I don't what? I don't know what um but uh my defense was like well at least I've been to Japan twice and you know like yeah but you're still weeaboo I'm like whatever <laughs> um yeah just somebody that's like super involved or super obsessed with with Japan and Japanese lifestyle um in Japan an otaku really focuses in on one thing so 
if they like anime, they're going to like one anime and they're going to focus on that anime um, or one character from that anime. Um, as I sit here and look around my room. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, but uh, yeah, so it wouldn't be like, well, I like Gundam and I like this and I like this and I like this. It's like, no, I really like model airplanes, period. So you can be a model airplane otaku or you can be a model boat otaku or you can be a, you know, Gundam otaku, but you're only into really one thing. It's not just kind of, oh, I just really like anime and I really like Japanese stuff. It's it's like, no, I'm super focused on one thing, um, you so know, like or super fandom. Yeah, or it's, I mean, you see it a lot in like the idol culture in Japan of like, I really like this band, I really only like this band, and I really like this girl in this band, period. Like, everybody else is dead to me, but um, yeah, it's a very, it's more, it's more of a focused thing in Japan, whereas in America, I think when people hear otaku or weeaboo or something, it's just, you just really like Japan, or you like things about Japan, or or stuff in in. In Japan, otaku definitely is like you really just like this one thing. Like it's that's Super what you're specific. focused on. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the Google definition is a young person who is obsessed with computers or particular aspects of popular culture to the detriment of their social skills. Yeah, that's yeah, that's I would say that's like the more Western because it like like I said, I mean, you can be a um, like a fishing otaku like there's dudes that they are all in when it comes to fishing like they're gonna buy the most expensive stuff they're gonna use the most expensive products they're going their life is gonna they're gonna read them the fishing magazines they're gonna watch the videos on youtube about fishing uh it can be it literally can be anything that you just are super obsessed with (laughs) so otaku can kind of not just it's it doesn't just have to do with tech stuff it's it's literally whatever you are pouring the majority of your time into is probably what you're obsessed with so now the the creator of the show um Hideaki Anno uh which by the the show aired in the mid 90s i think it was between 96 and 97 and a large theme is for people who are watching or getting into the show that they stop like almost closing off their world um and like going outside and actually enjoying <laughs> real life <laughs> <laughs> um do you think that the sort of perspective on otaku culture or i guess the negative stigmas that may have existed in the 90s have faded in time or do you think they're still uh prevalent uh, you mean with like you know people shutting themselves off or yeah like I guess if if not how it's perceived at least how mm. it's um, received how it's how it's treated. Well, I th- I mean I think you've got the the what's the the hikikomori where like the people people are just completely shut off from society altogether. Um, you know maybe they live with their parents and they just straight up don't have a job or anything and they just completely close themselves off from culture altogether um, I don't I don't know if that's what you're getting at or um, I just it seemed like that there 
I guess. Like, I feel like today, at least in America, like, having something like that isn't as frowned upon, or if it if it is, people are more apt to want to, like, help you get out of that rather than condemn you or, like, uh, criticize yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, I think, and not to get, like, too, like, problematic with things in Japan, but there, I mean, and I think that may, this isn't really a Japan problem either. I think this is just everywhere. People don't like to talk about, like, mental health issues, and so I think a lot of times when you have people that shut themselves off from society, it's it's either not really talked about um, so much. Um, I think that like as you know as society continues i think we're getting a little bit better with that with you know like you said trying to help people um and not so much like oh why why would you just sit in your room all day like maybe there's some other reason you know why somebody wants to cut themselves off from society um and so like trying to help people figure that out instead of just condemning them and and trying to like work with them and help people um is is being is done more now than maybe what it used to be now yeah i think i got this from japan times but since the late 90s um japan's otherwise um kind of staggeringly high suicide rate has been on the decline generally speaking um with the introduction of the 2006 basic act for suicide prevention and supposedly an improving economy do you think that changing perceptions of uh how we treat mental health Mm. are a big factor in that or is there something else you can attribute it to yeah i think so i think um i think there's different aspects to look at whether it be I don't know. I look at it a little different um, just because of my background and the way that I grew up. But um, yeah, I think in Japan, just the I don't know. I I I <laughs> I grew up in a very religious household and 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 stuff like that. And so for me, I kind of view things through that aspect as well. And you see the difference in the way that people in Japan kind of, I don't want to say they don't have any hope, but I think a lot of times they put their, their, they work so much that like their entire life is focused around their job. And if something happens in that sphere, you know, of that, of just their job, if they lose their job or something happens at their job that they're not pleased with, like their whole world can come down pretty quickly. If that's the only thing that they're basing their happiness on, you know? Um, and so for me, that's how I kind of look at it. Um, I think definitely, you know, the other aspect is, is just not treating people that, you know, maybe do want to shut themselves off differently. Maybe instead of, you know, condemning somebody for wanting to not be a part of the group, you kind of try to figure out why they don't want to, you know, maybe they just had a bad experience or maybe they just, you know, maybe there's some underlying thing that is keeping them from 
you know, wanting to participate. And, you know, not everybody's outgoing either. You know, I, not everybody has the same personality as I do. And, um, you know, you compare me to like other people and it's like, well, yeah, I'm outgoing and personable and I, I want to be the life of the party, but there's also people that aren't like that. And it's a hundred percent okay to not be like that. And so, um, being, like I said, moving forward in society and people kind of going, yeah, you know what? It's all right to be, you know, different than everybody else. Not everybody, believe me, not everybody needs to be like me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, in in America, I feel like there's been a pretty decent shift in how um, easy it is to get help or um, mm. even just talk about. The subject there's um you know there's like suicide prevention month there's right. lots of sh- um shows that you know uh depression or anxiety mm-hmm. self-harm etc is a big theme uh, same with music um you could really probably i mean i don't know how much help everyone's gonna be but you could probably go talk to a, any teacher or professor you have um and they do something is that something that you <laughs> Is this not the same, but yeah, no, I, under, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I would say like over the past few years, I've seen a change in Japan where, um, you know, bullying has been a big deal in Japan for a long time. And, and so you see a bigger focus of the schools taking charge and saying like, we're going to actively sit down with the entire school. We're going to talk about bullying. We're going to have times of the year where it's specific to anti-bullying type things. Um, even for foreigners in Japan, um, there is a um, uh, I, I don't know the number offhand, but there's a, a number that foreigners can call and talk to a counselor if they're just stressed or they're, you know, living in Japan is a totally obviously it's a totally different country, but there's so many different things on a day to day basis that you might that might stress you out that wouldn't have stressed you out if you were still living in your home country. Um, and so even for foreigners living in Japan, there's support lines and stuff like that where you can reach out to people and, and, um, and talk to people about stuff like that. And even I've had situations where, you know, even though I'm just the English teacher, you know, I've had students um, confide in me with things that just, blow your mind and you're just like oh what am i gonna do with this like i i wasn't expecting this story you know and stuff like that but i think a lot of times students just want to um you know you get to know your students and stuff but they just want to talk to you like a normal person and sometimes they bring up stuff in their life that's just like oh that that hit me right in the gut like um and so I think my role as an English teacher is a little bit more than that sometimes where it's, you know, I do have to be the counselor or I do have to be someone that just listens to a story um, that a student wants to tell, you know, that might be hard to hear. Um, and fortunately, I've, you know, at least I think I've tried to help in those situations. So, but yeah, I think it's it's a bigger it's I think Japan is definitely kind of recognizing that and seeing that um, as an issue now and seeing that as something that it's not taboo to talk about mental health um, as much as it as, as it maybe was. 
Yeah, I, I feel like even here in the States, it's gotten to be more of a, a conversation um, mm. that everybody is is having. And I think it's important. And I think, um, you know, you being a teacher and, and educators all across the world um, have have a role of being counselors to people or to kids, you know, because maybe they're not getting it at home or, you know, they just don't feel comfortable talking to anybody about it. So mm. um, I think teachers, uh, you know, are the front lines of that. Um, and I just want to mention uh, September is mental health month here in the States. Um, and for everyone, I just wanted to give a little bit of information. Um, you can always go to, you mentioned that there are, you know, foreigner sites that you can go to. Um, you can go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org and they can help um, direct you where you need to be. I mean, certainly just as a little, you know, mental health reminder, if you or anybody any of our listeners know anyone who's ever mentioned any of that, uh, you know, suicide or, or depression, anxiety, um, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 1-800-273-8255, just in case anybody's looking for that information, because I think it's incredibly important. And um, the, the show that we that we cover, you know, talks a lot of uh, there, there are a lot of themes of, you know, mental health, depression, anxiety, mm. Um, some, you know, inter- interpersonal relationships and, and how that those things play out um, and in the lives of, of kids, you know, most of it circles around, uh, you know, a bunch of 14 year olds. So they, they don't really have the capacity uh, at that point to maybe deal with some of the mental health issues that they're having. So knowing mm. that there's there's resources out there for people to use, I think, is getting more and more. Um, we're, we're talking about it more and more, which is, is definitely good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to look up the the one here in Japan, but I'm not finding it right now. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's important. And you know, ask for help if you need help. But also, um, on the other end of that, just be aware of you know your surroundings when you're talking to people, and you know, I think it's it takes people actually listening. You know, and not just mm-hmm. saying that we're having a conversation and we're actually listening to each other. Because um, if you're right. actually listening to people, then you're going to pick up on things that um, that you can say, oh, I need you need help in this area or I need to help you or I need to talk to you more about this just because I think that, you know, this is concerning. Um, so. Sure. And sometimes people just need someone to listen. Um, yeah. And that's and something that I try to do as an English teacher. And, and it's it's like it's helped my English classes um, as like, you know, a side effect of this, of just, you know, talking to students outside of class and being available to students outside of class. Um, you get a lot of the kids that maybe aren't paying attention in class to then maybe pay attention in class. But on the other hand, you also get students to talk to you about stuff that's going on in their life. And sometimes that's a lot more important than the English lesson that I have. And yeah, absolutely. And so I'm more than willing to, you know, talk to kids after class or after lunch, just be there just to be, you know, available for anybody that wants to talk to me. So, awesome. well, thank you for sharing everything. I really wasn't sure what direction your answer was going to go in, but I'm glad to hear yeah. that things do seem to be changing for the better. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's going to take time and it's going to take people, you know, you know, like I said, actually listening and people really making the, the conscious decision to say, you know what, you know, 
it's all right to have these feelings or it's okay to feel this way, but let's, you know, kind of help each other out. So, yeah, well, you know, besides needing maybe a little pick me up from this last question, I totally forgot (laughs) to bring up um, convenience stores because I am so fascinated by them. And for instance, our, I have a seven 11 right down the Mm. street for me. And if it looks like an abandoned card or cardboard box, <laughs> there's sometimes cars parked in front of, and I could get, you know, some drinks and snacks. Mm. And that's about it there. Could you yeah. provide some insight on what Japanese convenience stores are like and what you can do there? Yeah, I mean, Japanese convenience stores are probably the greatest thing ever. Um, you can, you can do everything. I mean, I, I you can pay your bills there. You can buy concert tickets there um you can if you order something from amazon you can have it shipped there uh and pick it up some places even have you know if you need to have a package delivered you can just take it to the convenience store and drop it off um along with all the the snack food and the drinks and the ice cream and the sandwiches and just all the food that's there um yeah, they're pretty great. <laughs> they live up to their name. Oh, yeah. Store. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because um, I think uh, – I don't even remember what it is. What is my water bill? Most of my bills are just set up through my bank account, so they just come out automatically. But for some reason, my I think my water bill is set – to uh that i have to pay it manually so um you know every other month i get a bill in the mail for my water and it has a barcode on it i just take that paper and take it down to the 7-eleven they scan the barcode i pay the bill and we're good to go um it's it's great and they're they're everywhere in japan like you can i don't have to walk that far to get to 7-eleven um so yeah, there's convenience stores everywhere. Um, it's it's and it's great. the actual Seven Eleven chain. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yep. It's so yeah. that's so bizarre. I have a <clears throat> Godzilla figure that's like special <laughs> color variation that's like specifically from Seven Eleven um, okay. that I got imported. But like my Seven Eleven, I won't even feel clean walking into. <laughs> I was gonna say they've shut down most of the Seven Elevens here. <laughs> Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, I would say the only downside is of the 7-Eleven in Japan is they none of them uh I should, well, I should say none of them. The the one in Harajuku has a slushy machine. That's the only slushy machine at a 7-Eleven I've seen. Um you cannot get a uh I'm sorry, a Slurpee. You can't get a Slurpee at a 7-Eleven in Japan. That's the the only downside. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I but, guess that's uh, the only upside of our 7-Eleven. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it's a give and take can, with the Seven Eleven. Yeah, you can. I mean, the food there is. I mean, it's not the greatest quality of food, but I mean, I've, you know, gone there for lunch, breakfast, dinner, everything. It's, um, it's it's good quality food. It's a lot better quality food than what I would get at a convenience store in the states, uh, definitely. Um, yeah, you can definitely eat the the Seven Eleven sushi. It won't make you sick. So <laughs> I've heard. I was I've just going to uh, ask you about that. <laughs> I've heard tall tales about the the greatness of. I think it was Family Mart fried chicken. Yeah. Oh, 
Uh, Family Mart. So there's, I mean, there's always this battle amongst people that live in Japan of like who has the best chicken. It's definitely Family Mart. Um, I don't care what anybody else says. Family Mart has the best fried chicken. Um, Mini Stop has the best ice cream. And like ice cream type treats because they make like parfaits and sundaes and stuff there. Um, they kind of go out more than some of the other places do. But yeah, for fried chicken, Family Mart is definitely the best. Hmm. Good to know. <laughs> when I eventually go to Japan for Tristan. <laughs> All right. Well, I think my I have about one uh, question left if we want to hop into it sure um many of or most of the main characters in the show are powerful individualistic individualistic strong-willed women that continue to have outdated and sexist expectations placed on them they face almost constant resistance or unfair treatment from the men that surround them now despite being what i think most people would consider in an otherwise advanced country according to the World Economic Forum's 2020 Global Gender Gap uh, Report, which captures and measures gender-based disparities over time. Japan is ranked 121 out of 153 countries. To the best of your knowledge and experience, why do you think that Japan continues to lag behind on this particular issue when it exceeds in so many others? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> uh, We're ending I, uh, on a big note. Yeah, here. I know, right? <laughs> um, I, You know, honestly, I don't know because for me – like I work I'm a teacher and that's been traditionally you know a job that women have done in the past of educating the children so it's weird for me because I've had very strong female principles that I highly respected that I would take any day over some of the male principles that I've had um and I've worked alongside with great female teachers as well so yeah i don't know i honestly i try not to get into a lot of japanese politics because it's just there's just too much of it everywhere (laughs) whether it be american politics or japanese politics um i just um i i don't honestly i don't know i don't know what the the reasoning behind it is i don't know the yeah it's yeah, it's strange, and I don't know why. But say in your your school, you don't mm-hmm. really notice. Um, no, funny. A funny story. We I was working at a at a elementary school a few years ago, and our principal was retiring, and I was hanging out with some of the teachers, some of the uh, some of the male teachers, and they were like we're getting a female principal. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, great. They're going to like, you know, they're going to hate this. They're going to hate that. They're going to have this female telling them what to do and all this stuff. And they were all concerned that she was going to think that they weren't going to like her because she was female. They were like, we don't care who we just want a good principal at our school. We just don't want her to think that we don't like her because she's female. It was like the total opposite of what I was thought was going to happen with the conversation that we were having. I thought this was going to be like, oh, we don't want no woman telling us what to do. And the opposite of that was they were just they were concerned that they that she thought 
that that's what they were going to think of her. It was <laughs> totally bizarre. But yeah, like I said, I've had great female principals at my school that I highly respected and um you know, some that I didn't just because they were not, you know, <laughs> the most personable people, but hey, that that goes with, for for anybody really. But yeah, we're not all great. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that. <laughs> some of us are definitely better than others. <laughs> Yes, I will agree to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it, I guess, kind of piggybacking off of that? So, is it still more so a culture where, um, you know, the woman stays home and, and takes care of the kids and the, the men work? Is it still that dynamic predominantly? Or are you seeing more of a, you know, two income family or a, a mother supporting the family? Is it, has it changed over the time that you've been there or is it still pretty yeah, much the same? So, where I live now is more, um, industrial than where I used to live before. Um, and so we've got a big Honda plant and we've got some other big manufacturing in the area. Um, and so you see more, or at least I see more two income families here. Um, in this area, I lived in like the smallest town I lived in, um, was a town called Tokai. It was 30,000 people. It was all in, uh, all farmland, um, all rice fields and everything. And so there you saw more one income families where usually the mom would stay home and raise the kids here where I live now. I, I see more two income families, or I see, you know, more single family, single moms raising kids and working, um, just because it's a bigger city. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I mean the elementary school that I go to has a thousand kids in it, so it's hard to really talk to every parent. <laughs> sure. But sure. um you know, you, you do see a lot of um you know, grandparents coming to pick up their kids because both parents are working or, you know, kids having to stay a little bit later because, you know, mom or dad has to pick them up after work or something like that. So um at least where I'm at now it's I, I see more of a, a diverse group of families, I would say. I see. Well, thanks for sharing. Uh, I know I kind of dropped the bomb. On oh, no. There, but uh, <laughs> really, anything, right. anything you could say is really pretty uh, invaluable insight. So I'm really glad that, you know, you are seeing um, two-income families and, uh, you know, different family dynamics. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's that's the last of my pre-prepared uh, questions. Um, Allison, you got anything? Uh, no, I think we covered pretty much everything. Andrew, I guess we'll leave it up to you. Do you have any questions for us or anything that, yeah, about the show that you're maybe wondering about? Um, so is it true that you have to watch it in a certain order? Because I always hear that like, oh, you have to watch these episodes first and then you watch the movie and then you watch the OVAs and then you watch this episode and then you have to do this whole complicated <laughs> thing just to understand, to actually understand the true meaning of Ava. Is that true or is that just some nonsense that I heard online? <laughs> that is mostly true, actually. <laughs> yes, I would say so too. <laughs> 
unfortunately. <laughs> it, it is a very rigorous watching <laughs> regimen, I will say. Um, but uh, it's it's been a blast doing our, doing the podcast. We really enjoy doing it. And and just a little bit about you know my background with it. Uh, Nick Nick introduced me to the show, and um, I won't tell you how old I was when it came out, but I was about those kids' age. Um, so I have kind of a unique perspective to know what it was like when the, the show was made and then it's it's also set um you know a few years after now so right. just to see that you know the things that have changed and the things that haven't and you know it's, it's really interesting so if, if you have the opportunity um you know to sit down and watch it i think it's it's a it's a really good show uh there's a yeah. lot of themes there that that we talk about um but we really appreciate it. and and most of the questions that we've asked you obviously pertain to some things that have happened in the show so thank you for giving our listeners you know kind of an inside look of um you know where a lot of the these scenes are coming from and where their origins are so that's oh yeah yeah no no problem and and one of my one of my friends back home he asked me one time he said you know i know you probably get this a lot the question of like is japan really like anime or is this aspect from anime like really happen in japan he's like but i gotta ask are there bread shops everywhere (laughs) and i was like yeah no there are and i don't know why there are bread shops in grocery stores in malls there's freestanding bread shops i don't know why and i was like yeah dude that that aspect of anime is 100 percent correct like there are bread shops everywhere in japan i don't know why it is but it's great it's i love it but um yeah i don't know why (laughs) uh what's your favorite anime show um so i would have to go with gundam uh is my is my go-to well gundam and then girls and panzer which um i got into once i came over here because it actually takes place in a town very close to where i used to live um and so it literally was everywhere in that town and you could walk around and see posters and cutouts of the of the girls from the show and everything and um yeah i really got into girls of panzer once i got over here but uh yeah i started watching anime well goes way way back to when i was real little the the church that i went to showed us uh what's it called the flying house and it's this and at the time i didn't know it was anime but um it's an it was an anime that was made for japan about these kids that find this flying house that goes back in bible times and they experience bible stories i didn't know anything i didn't know it was a japanese i didn't know it was japanese or anything i just thought it was cool that was my first exposure to anime and then the first real thing was when gundam wing came over um to tsunami back when I was, and that was when I was in high school and I was just like enamored by Gundam, but uh, eighth MS team from, from Gundam is my favorite series. Um, and then, like I said, once I got over here, um, started watching girls of Panzer, which if you don't know, it's a bunch of high school girls that drive tanks um, as part of their club activity. No. <laughs> and, and how do I they, join? <laughs> yeah, for real. It's it's great. It's 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 comical, it's funny. The main character um who you can't see, but I've got figures just everywhere in my room. Um yeah, she she's kind of thrown into this. She goes to this school because she doesn't want to be a part of a tank program anymore because she grew up in a tank family. And uh 
the only way to save the school is to start up this tank program at the school and they want her to be in charge of it because they knew that she came from this line and so she has to overcome her her fears of of doing all of that over again and experiencing all that but it's a really good series it's only one uh one season and a couple of movies but um yeah it was really popular and it's still they still have festivals and stuff in in Orai, the town in Ibaraki, where it actually takes place. Um, they still have a festival every year. They they decorate the town. Um, oh, a lot of the great. a lot of the places in town still have posters up, and they that's yeah. People come to that town a lot just to to either fish or to check out like sites from the from the show. So. <laughs> It's a very specific That's, reason for visiting. Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I've done both. So, you know, it's it's um, yeah, those are the two. And then more recently, the the newest Gundam series, Iron Blooded Orphans, um, was just a amazing series that I loved. So, yeah. Awesome. I'd say Gundam has a pretty large following here, too. Um, I worked mm-hmm. at a, a, a geeky shop and um I'd have people come in every day that would look at... We had a small collection of Gundam model kits, but they okay. would fly off the shelf. Oh, yeah. I have a very small collection of model kits that I have not put together. I say very small. I've got about 25 that I'm looking at right now that I've not put together. <laughs> so... I have not yet taken the plunge, but I would have people come in and just, like, they... It's just... It's... Like you would know, some people would come in and they know exactly what they're they're looking for. Yeah, and they would go to our small, like our small little rectangle of like Gundam model kits. We had a few Evangelion model kits and some other ones. Um, so it's just interesting what things are like super popular, but like in kind of niches over here. Mm, yeah. Or, or like uh, I think like Gudetama like has a. <laughs> A lot of people get Gudetama stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. All those, all those like Sanrio characters are so popular over here. You just see them everywhere. But uh, yeah, yeah. For for anime, Gundam was pretty much where I went, and there are a few others. You know, obviously the the uh, Samurai Champloon and Cowboy Bebop and and stuff like that. So I yeah, I'd say it, the ones that are the biggest. That I saw um, that people are uh, into or getting stuff for would be Dragon Ball, mm. uh, Naruto, One Piece, One Punch Man, um, Cowboy Bebop, and like Sailor Moon, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think those are all the questions I have. Um, yeah, so. Um, Thank you so much for being on. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah no too, problem. Andrew. Thank you so much. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Hopefully I didn't answer anything too incorrectly. <laughs> there's always You're... there's always somebody that's going to be like, "Well, where I live it's like this." And so I always like whenever I make a video or something, I always try to clarify like, "For me, this is how it's been" or like in my experience, like this is what I've seen. So, yeah, I try not to be too general with, you know, "Oh, this is how it is everywhere in Japan." So, it's it's well, kind of if... just my experience. If we get any emails uh, correcting anything, we're going to forward them right on to yes. you, Andrew. Yes, please, please, please do that. So. 
All right. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed our very first bonus episode. Don't forget to join us this following upcoming Friday for your regular unpaid programming. Um, I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is Allison. Hi, guys. Um, And so, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you guys next time. See you next time.